Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We are second episode of 2022. Two plus two plus two, episode two. We're on a roll, guys. We're going to be talking about just the power of creation, right? A lot of people, they say you are every, you know, you have the power to do this, the power to do that. What does that truly mean, right? And I really want to hone in on it on this episode. I definitely want to get Mitchell's uh like what he has to say about this because a lot of people go around life and I feel like they're just victims of their circumstances and it's sad because you literally we have the power of creation we are one of the only species that are conscious creators every other species on this planet even though they're creators they are unconscious it is not by their will it is by just the way they're wired they create unconsciously and most people go around in life creating unconsciously, right? Like it's almost like uh, if you're like the the best sculptor in the world, but like you don't realize that you're the best sculptor. So you're just sculpting things like you just drank two bottles of vodka. Like everybody is a creator and they have the power to deliberately create, but they're choosing not to, not even choosing, they're unaware of their greatness. and. I think what Praxis is doing, it's almost like giving people, like as an example, like you are creating the reality you want. You have the autonomy and the power to create. And that's just one example of how life-changing that experience is. And I want to throw it over to you, Mitchell, because I think obviously leading a lot of initiatives in Praxis, like you're becoming, you're teaching young adults to become autonomous, to be, to like put your personal brand out there. What are your thoughts on becoming like a conscious creator as opposed to just like, you know, shooting the sh- whatever, just not even being deliberate about most of the things you go through life? Yeah. So there are a few different points I want to make. And, and, and one of the first ones that comes up is is sort of this uh, this reality that I see played out in a lot of people. You know, you see this a lot in like my peer group, not necessarily like friends, but like my peer group age wise, as I look across sort of the landscape, a lot of people that I know that went to college or um, whatever, where it's it just kind of like society at large. You'll probably know examples of people like this in your own life if you you think uh, long enough. Is is this idea of like inertia is the driving force of your life? Like, yeah, I got out of school. I took the first job that I could get. It wasn't really this thing that I you know it wasn't the job that I really wanted. It wasn't a dream job. It, it's you know not living out like any kind of like big vision for my hat myself that I had when I was, you know, a little kid, but it pays the bills. And then like, before you know it, you like meet somebody, you get into what constitutes as a serious relationship by virtue of the fact that you just find yourself, you wake up one day and you're just like, Oh, we've been together for six years and dating. And I guess at this point in time, we're thing you're supposed to do is get married. And so you get married and then you get through a few years of marriage and then you, you know, find out that you're pregnant and then you buy a house and you get a mortgage. And now you've got a kid and you're into this relationship. You've got a mortgage, you got a car payment, maybe you have student debt, you have this job you're not particularly passionate about. It's not really a career, but it's like something that you're, you're doing. And like, before you know it, it's like, oh my God, I'm in a wildly different place than what I imagined was the destination I wanted to arrive in. And there may still be some good aspects of your life. Like maybe you, you know, you you really do love your spouse. You're really excited about your kid, um, whatever. But like, I think a lot of times when people don't take that deliberate agency over the, the, the more areas of their life that they're not taking deliberate agency over, 
um, over the longer, you know, the longer, uh, the more time that passes, I think the farther away they get from sort of where they, they would want to become if they sat down and thought, think, you know, thought about it hard enough and, and not only like where destination wise, but like who they wish they could become as sort of the like highest aspirational part of themselves. And I think that part of that, um, part of the, the root of that is people sort of losing sight that they do have the agency to make, you know, make decisions over all these different dimensions of their life. They don't have to settle for sort of like the hand they're dealt. They don't have to settle for like, you know, just the options and just the job that they can get today. But a lot of times in order to get beyond just inertia, you have to take deliberate action to go out and and build positive more momentum you know, in the direction of where you really want to go. Like, you know, your chances are you're not going to be able to access your your dream job if you don't ever do anything to like equip yourself with the skills, knowledge, experience that your dream job requires. That's where you're letting inertia win. And you're kind of like actively choosing, I'm going to, I'm going to take, you know, the jobs that, you know, life just presents to me accidentally rather than like actually deliberately trying to, you know, go and forge my own career and like become the best version of myself. You're just kind of like, living by accident. And I think that that is, that's one of the most dangerous traps I think that people fall into. Yeah. Living like living by accident. Like that's, that's, that's the best way to to put it. Right. And it's, it's almost like, like you brought up a good point. Like when did they, when did per, whether it's conscious or unconscious, at what point in your life did you lose that agency over, over like, I'm the creator of my life. Right. And I'm not singling anybody. I know sure as hell, like for me, like I had a point in my life too, where like, I was just going through the motions. It felt like, and it's, I, the thing that strikes me the most is, I don't know if it's society, like what is the root cause of that? And how I would say, honestly, it might even be a, a fear of emptiness of being left alone, of being like alone. Right. Because you see how everybody else is, Oh, they like, they get a job and they do this and they do that. And it's like just following the crowd so that you don't feel empty Mm. inside. But what they don't realize is you're just going to become empty because you gave away your agency and you gave it to a corporation or whatever the case is. Yeah. There has to be a mutual, like you have to have a vision and you have to be able to cultivate it and then make sure like you almost follow through on it. So you don't lose that agency. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to pretend to like, like, like this is not a little bit above my pay grade to like break it down to the actual philosophical roots here. But so some things that I do, do think, um, I believe is, I don't think you necessarily lose your agency. I think that you just trade it, you trade it for something else. You trade it for stability. You trade it for like the mental escape of just like going and drinking your face off on the weekends uh, rather than like going and mowing your yard and like cleaning your house and doing your laundry and like doing all the things that pile up when you're not taking agency over the small things, you're not taking responsibility for your life. Like you, you trade your agency away for other things. I think that you, you know, look out in the world right now and you see a lot of people have traded their agency for fear, um, for fear of like, you know, whatever reasons, like maybe they're scared of a virus. Maybe they're scared of like uncertain economic times. Maybe they're scared of like, what their neighbors think about them or their opinions. And like, so they start to live in fear and they start to trade away their agency. I think like one from my experience, 
in particular working with young adults. And I don't think like anybody that goes through Praxis really has this issue, but this is what I see really common among like the people who go through traditional public school and then they go to college and then they get out in the sort of this young professional, I'm 22 to 25 and I'm just now starting out. And I try, I played it safe the whole time. I did everything everybody was, you know, told me I was supposed to, I got good grades. I got to college and I, I was, you know, for lack of a better term, I was a major conformist, you know, I think that somewhere along the way, sometimes it's, it's easy to get caught up in this big lie that, um, there's sort of a finite, uh, pie. There's a sort of a finite pie. And anytime somebody else is winning, like I, my slice of the pie is getting a little bit smaller. And this idea that like, there is a capped limit on the amount of wealth that exists in the world. And I think that that belief sort of leads to the nihilistic tendencies where it's like, ah, what does it even matter? Like, if big corporations are winning and if other people are having success, then that like reduces the opportunity for me to go have success, for me to capture wealth, for me to be able to like, you know, do whatever I want to do. And then like, before you know it, even if it's by accident, even if you don't mean to be this way, uh, before you know it, I think a lot of people, they find, you know, the temptation leads them to becoming a victim and trading away their agency because of this story that they've told themselves that it's like, I'm powerless I am, you know, forces beyond my control have dealt me the hands that I've been dealt and there's nothing in my power that I can do to change it. And that is one of the biggest, most dangerous lies you can tell yourself. Do not subscribe to that. You have the power to make even tiny incremental changes over time to make your life better. You may not be able to fix all the shit today. You know, you may not be able to dig out of debt today and like get a new job and escape a toxic relationship and relocate to a better city um, or escape like, you know, some kind of like family, co- you may not be able to fix all the problems today. Um, some of them may be really bad problems too, but if you can find a way to realize that like you, you have the agency to create a better life for yourself and sort of the, the first thing you need to do is like, accept that responsibility, accept like, Hey, I have the power to make these circumstances better. And I don't have to settle for a lot of these entangling obligations that are making my life what I I don't want it to be. And that's true across literally every domain of your life, your job, your relationships, where you live, how much money you make. Like you influence like your actions and and thoughts and, and how you spend your time. Like they directly influence all those different things in your life. And if they're not what you want it to be today, like you better do something about it because there is no one else who can do anything about it. Mic drop. Like I was just (laughs) going to stop me. I was like rolling. (laughs) No, that was beautiful. So I get a couple of takeaways. One, there is no, there is no, you're right. Humans do even myself. Like we put almost like a competitive look at abundance. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is no like, oh, if this person has something, it's taking away from me. Like you said, like the pie, ch- it's, uh, pie envy, analogy. it's that envy. And you know what it is? There is no abundance. All the money you want is on this planet and they're printing more and more every day. <laughs> like all the gold you want is in the mountains somewhere. There's built like tons and tons of gold, F- right? Literally and figuratively speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and everything you want, like, 
those resources are attracted to those that innovate the most. It's not the busser that works a hundred hours a week bussing tables. Yes, you learn a great work ethic. That was my first job. I was a bus boy in my first job. Yeah. But I wasn't rewarded. You're not rewarded for hard work. Hard work is required no matter what. Yeah. And the only way you're going to get access to that level of abundance is if you innovate. And that's mm-hmm. why everyone be everybody hating on Bezos and Tesla. Bro, I get my package in two days. The guy completely he completely innovated the supply chain of the entire freaking world. Like Tesla, he's making electric cars. They just by the 80-20 Pareto principle or whatever it is, 80% of the resources are obviously going to go to 20% of the people because those are the people innovating the most. Mm-hmm. And there's no point in putting a competitive, egotistical like outlook on abundance because there's literally, there is no number on abundance. It's like, what are you, how are you willing to serve others? And how are you willing to innovate this world? How are you going to make this world a better place to access this? Now, give or take, there are some people that are just a-holes and they do illegal shit, but like, it's going to come, like, how can you grow like that? It's going to come back eventually. They even caught El Chapo, bro. Like it's going to come back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's how I look at it. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think you bring up a good point there is like, you know, sort so of part of the, part of the contributing factor to that tendency towards nihilism, towards like feeling like you're a victim or like you're powerless. Like you look out yeah. in the world and there, there is bad shit going on. Like there, is, there are evil people there. They're like, Literally, if if you've been alive for the past two years and looked around, it's like there are some people that I don't know what the hell they're thinking, but like I don't feel like they have the best interest of humanity in you know in in mind, and they unfortunately are in seats of of enough authority or influence to be able to like actually implement policies and principles oh, that nice. seem anti-human, anti-life, like they're actually yeah. doing more harm than good, and that can make you, you know, that can lead you to be like, wow, I really am powerless. Like that can lead you to believe the lies you're already telling you um, yourself or the lies that like society is telling you and yeah. the lies that the media and the government wants you to believe is like, you just got to follow rules and stay in, you know, keep your head down, step in line. Like that's like, don't subscribe to that bullshit. It's not true. You can make it, you know, you can, you can make your life something better. You can make it a little bit more of what you want and a little bit less of what you don't want. And, and back to the, you know, the point about sort of this abundance mindset is I think that, um, particularly for my generation, Gen Z as well, and like up and coming generations, I think that, you know, we have lived in a, a period of sub, such absolute abundance, um, yes, you know, like I've absolutely like the internet proliferated during my lifetime. I, I literally remember going from like bag phones to cell phones. Um, I remember like there are some wild things that like you take for granted all the wild radical changes that have had have taken place in your life that have just like dramatically raised the standard of living for everyone. And, and in America, like if you start to think about what it's like here compared to other countries, like the abundance is absolutely astonishing. And I think that sometimes that's a contributing factor is because you just like the standard of living is so high that sometimes it's it's easy to just get by like, you know, being a little bit ungrateful for all of the innovation that has taken place to lift our species out of like abject poverty, which is like the default condition. You know, we're born with nothing and like without innovation, you know, we'd literally probably be like still 
searching for berries in the forest and like subject to like bears and, you know, giant cats <laughs> eating us. Like innovation is what has allowed our species to crawl out of just truly abject poverty. And I think that, you know, think about the time and place and, and, and state of, of society as it is, especially in America where there's like all sorts of crazy stuff going on right now is like, uh, I think that you can take for granted how all of the hard work um, and, and just like all of the hard work and, and toil that had to be overcome in order to like give us the standard of living that we have. But like at the same time, you know, who made a lot of those innovations? Like it was mostly everyday ordinary people who became obsessed with one little problem they wanted to solve and they did everything in their power to solve that one little problem. And everyone has access to doing that. That is not reserved for a special class of person or a certain like elite, you know, elite group or the Illuminati or like people with money. Like anybody can not only innovate in their own life to make their life more what, than what they want it to be, but like you can look out in the world and you can do your damnedest to go solve a problem that you care about solving, uh, not just for yourself, but for other people. And guess what? If you figure out how to solve an important enough problem for enough people, you are going to be wildly rewarded for it. And I think that if you can figure out as a young adult or somebody who's like found yourself in a situation where you're living out a reality that's just less than what you wish it could be, if you can shift your frame to that sort of abundance mindset, that that yeah. mindset that says, I am in control. I am, you know, I do have agency over my fate in life. The possibilities are literally limitless. And but it's impossible to go make those changes if you if you don't believe that you have the power. Yeah, and ha- and having the agency, right? That is that's what conscious honesty, it's so it's so easy to be a conscious creator. Now you just mentioned mm-hmm. it, social media, this, that. Bro, it's so easy. There's more millionaires being made now than yeah. freaking ever, bro. Like six figures is the new minimum wage. It's so easy to just go out there. Not easy. It's easy to find a problem it's to solve. It's accessible. I wouldn't say it's easy. You still got to put the work in. It's way more accessible though. And in this point of human, whatever you want to call it, in this point of the human timeline, like I feel like the, the question everybody should ask themselves is how am I going to serve humanity? And like, it's almost like an expression of selfless love. Yeah. Taking that expression of pure selfless love and combining it with an ego to have a healthy ego of serving. Right. Like I said, like, like, we t- like I'm using Jeff Bezos. Cause it's just easy. Like everyone's always, he got this, this many billion, that many billion dude, the guy literally like I get my package in it. That, that problem was like percent of households in America are Amazon Prime subscribers. Like, tell me people don't think what Amazon does is valuable. Exactly. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Exactly, dude. That's what it's all about, man. It's about changing the game and you have the agency to do it. You don't even have to change the game at that scale to build massive personal wealth though. Yes. And now like, you're probably not going to become a billionaire if, if you can't find a way to like, you know, reach millions of people with a, a solution to, to, to a very important problem. But, um, you know, like if you can find a hundred people who value what you're doing and, you know, every single one of them thinks that what you do is worth a hundred dollars every month, like you literally just made $10,000. You know, if you can find a way to like do that yeah. every single month, or you can find a hundred people who, you know, you go mow a hundred people's yards every month for nine months out of the year, like 
It's $90,000, you know, go figure out some other problem to solve the other three months of the year, take a vacation, like whatever the case, like, I think that sometimes it's also a problem of thinking about the scale where it's like, well, I could never build something like Amazon or, you know, I see this particularly insidious thing. Um, This is the deliberate dropout podcast. So we'll bring this up. This particularly insidious thing. And I haven't heard anybody bring this up in a while, but this, this usually comes up with the argument where it's like, well, that worked for Mark Zuckerberg to drop out of college uh, or, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, they were all geniuses. And it's like, (laughs) you literally don't have to be a genius to go create value for other people and to build personal wealth. Okay. Like that's a stupid idea. And that's, that's like what other people tell you when you freak them out because you step off the straight and narrow path, the like safe path. Cause that challenges, you know, that challenges the other person, like holds up a mirror for them to see their own inadequacies. It's like, wow, that person's pursuing their dream. They're like betting on themselves. That makes me really uncomfortable because I'm not doing that myself. And that makes me, that freaks me out. And so the easiest thing for me to do is throw rocks at that person and like poo poo their idea because they're going out and doing their thing because that makes that I'm projecting my own insecurities about that. You don't have to be any kind of like extra special person to go be valuable to other people, to learn how to serve other people and to solve problems for other people. You do have to like reorient your mindset from like, I have no power to, I have the power to make my life better. And you also have to, you know, do more than just think about like, how can I go get mine? You got to also figure out how to like truly put yourself in, in other people's position and be like, you know what, what would be a valuable problem that I could solve for somebody else? And if you can do those two things, you can start, you know, open up your frame to to have an abundance mindset and then always be thinking about other problems, like problems that other people like have in their life that you could actually fix. Now you're not a victim. You are somebody who is actively a problem solver, not only in your own life, but for other people around you. And like, truly, that is how you make the world a better place. Boom, shakalaka. Some closing thoughts. One more thing that maybe we could talk about is how do you get somebody to become a manifester in a realistic way, not, not some voodoo yeah. shit, like, like a realistic, practical way to become a manifester and an abundance mindset. Like the first thing, like, for example, like when I think of like every revolution that's ever happened, it was first massively opposed. Mm-hmm. But then after it was accepted and almost appreciated, whether it was the American Revolution, French Revolution, religious revolutions. And I bring up the word revolution because th- whenever a revolution, that is massive abundance just waiting to explode. Yeah. Right. Because of whatever value is in that revolution. Right now we're in the social media, rev- whatever you want to call it. But it's going to be violently opposed first. Like, like you're going to get persecuted, bro. But after it will be accepted. And how do you help others get through that phase of persecution? Like we that's a macro level. I'm just like that's like on a world level on a micro. If someone's getting persecuted, this guy, this guy's not going to do anything. He's going to go right. He he quit his job to start a business, but he's going to go right back into corp. How do you help people tackle that? Yeah, well, that's like the the trillion dollar question, right? Um, Like an actual practical question. Like, how do you help? How do you help people uh, expand their their purview to actually see the world as the abundant and opportunity and not this, this scarce thing. And I think that the earlier you can start, like the better, the better, better, you know, like the younger, 
the younger you can kind of change your mindset, the better, because one, you're going to have more time, but two, like there's the, the older you get and the less you expand, the more you begin to contract and the more you start like trying to only validate pre-existing ideas. And I think that like the more you do that over a longer period of time, the harder it is to like change your mind about anything. And so what I would say for young adults out there listening, um, you know, it's not too late. It's not too late, even if you're past that. But I think there are kind of a few things, few sort of ingredients that go into this recipe of how to, you know, see abundance, how to think about how it can be of value to other people. I think one is, is, you know, um, curiosity. I think if you can put yourself in an environment where um, it's, it's some, some domain you have actual curiosity about. Um, not everybody is like probably you or me, Lucho, where, you know, at 17, like just working with something that interested the hell out of us. We like business. Okay. Not everybody's interested in that. And I get that. And so it, it, it can't always be like, just go get your first job, though. I think that's like a great thing for everybody to do because you're like forced to participate, participate in a value exchange. Yeah. Um, but I think like if you can find a domain that you're naturally curious in, you can um, have some type of opportunity to put your pursuit of, of mastery um, in that domain um, on display. So you can, you have an opportunity to prove yourself and test out your idea in the world um, and, and actually have success. You're going to have some failures anytime you're doing something new. But if you can have sort of early successes in domains where you're naturally pursuing something because you're curious about it, not because somebody told you you had to, that that build that's a positive feedback loop for you that allows you to build confidence and confidence is sort of at the underlying foundation of all this thing if you're not a confident person or you're you're um you have a a you know you have low self esteem or you have a a stigma about like i'm just not capable of anything or i'm stupid or yep. i was dealt a bad hand like that's hard to overcome if you don't have anything Absolutely. good going on in your life that you feel like you know what I'm good at this one thing. And so I think that this is why, you know, early on. So, you know, if you're a creative person, like let's say you're a writer, you're a painter, you're a photographer, like go try and sell your work, um, put something up, try and, you know, try and get somebody to commission some work from you or try and get somebody to hire you or whatever. And like them paying you for that and telling you good job, like that's how you're going to build confidence. And now it's like, yep. holy shit, I've got something yep. valuable to offer the world. The problem is, um, and this is why I say first jobs are a good way to do this, um, is the problem is a lot of times people just don't know. Uh, they don't know how to get started. They're not, they have too many interests, so they can't pick one. Or they just don't know. They don't have the right building blocks um, to go and be like, you know what, I'm a writer. And now I, I see a clear path of how to go like get paid for this as a 17, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid. And so, so I think like, just go get a minimum wage job, like walk down the street, find a grocery store, find a restaurant, um, literally everywhere still hiring in, in this world. And that's an, that's an easy thing. It may not be the thing that interests you right now, but you are being hired because the business necessarily believes that you are capable of, of being valuable to that business by solving a specific problem for that business, whether it's waiting tables, sacking groceries, stocking shelves at the grocery store. And if you can figure out how to recognize that, that's like, it's not an employer exploiting you because they're paying you minimum wage. Like 
This is you actually solving a problem for somebody else. And if you can actually recognize that, like that's a really accessible way for you to go plug yourself in to, to, to get those early reps of, of creating value for other people and hopefully build some confidence that like those two things kind of together are, are good building blocks to start changing your frame of reference, I think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One more thing. Um, even if it is minimum wage, who can yeah. like that's what you're worth, dude. Who can like you know <laughs> not you particularly. I'm just saying like like that's what you're worth in the market. Like that's what a person would be worth in the marketplace if you're if you're 15, 16. You don't have skills, dude. I got paid like seven dollars an hour, like when I was it my was very like very first job, bro. Five dollars and fifteen cents when I was working. Holy shit! Like that's what I'm like, but that's. But that that's also a level of gratitude whenever you get to the next level in your stage, right? And I can't stress it enough. Even if you don't want to get a job, the one thing you learn is service. Like mm-hmm. you're serving, uh, you're cleaning a table or you are packing groceries or you're stocking selves. That is service. One rather It's rather emotionless and it may seem meaningless at times. But if you could take that servitude because you learn how to serve, if you could take that with the creative expression, oftentimes creators and artists, they do have a hard time selling their work because may- maybe they're not, they are out they of touch. They don't want to sell out, that. man. They don't want to sell out and they're out of touch with the service aspect. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a healthy balance. You can't be fully just serving, serving, serving because hard work doesn't pay, innovation yeah. pays. But if all you do is innovate and you don't serve, then you're just like going to be the Picasso that is famous 300 years from now. <laughs> so it's that healthy balance. It's like the selfless love and the creative expression, but it's also the practicality that dude, like I'm here to, like you said, I'm here to like serve you in some way. You heard it here first. You want to change the world. You got to change your frame of reference. Make sure that you see, you know, develop them abundance mindset and go find a way that you can be valuable to other people. This has been another episode of the deliberate dropout. Hopefully you are enjoying this content in the new year, 2022. You like it, leave us a comment, subscribe, let us know. There are other topics that you'd like us to cover and we will be back again soon. Thank you as always for listening.